In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. Every once in a while, I I hear someone, um, religious or non-religious, who will explain something they've done or mention something they've left undone. And they'll end it by explaining, well, you know, after all, I'm known Mother Teresa. And I, I know what they mean when they say, I'm no Mother Teresa. They, they mean they're not perfect. They mean they're, they're no saint. Um, perhaps they're referring to Mother Teresa's way of serving the poorest of the poor. And that sort of service, of, of self-offering, of sacrifice, seems very far from the person's life as they say it. But if we really were to look at the life of Mother Teresa especially at some of the letters and the journals that were published a few years ago after her death. I wonder if some of us might come away from that experience feeling like we're actually a little more like Mother Teresa than we might have supposed. St. Thomas always figures prominently on this second Sunday of Easter. We just heard about him in the Gospel, and and Thomas is often uh, thought of as the patron saint for doubters. But I wonder if maybe Mother Teresa might be elbowing him out of position as the patron saint for those who have doubts. Back in 1979, just a few weeks before Mother Teresa would receive the Nobel Peace Prize, she wrote to a spiritual companion, Jesus has a very special love for you. As for me, the silence and emptiness is so great that I look and do not see. I listen and I do not hear. The tongue moves in prayer, but does not speak. These are words of Mother Teresa. Another time she wrote a prayer in her journal. Lord, my God, you have thrown me away as unwanted, as unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer, no No one, alone. Where is my faith? Even deep down, right in there is nothing. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my heart. It sounds very much like a psalm, doesn't it? It sounds like some of those psalms in all our Bibles, those psalms of despair, those psalms of lament, those those psalms that feel like God has turned God's back. And here these words come from someone that many around the world point to as, as an example of tremendous faith. Well, whether we sometimes doubt in our heart of hearts, or, or maybe we, we know and love people who doubt, 
we can learn from Mother Teresa, we can learn from St. Thomas, we can learn from all those who have had the faith to be courageous and open about their doubt. We know the story on that first Easter morning. Mary Magdalene tells the disciples that the tomb is empty and that Jesus has risen. And it's not just Thomas that disbelieves her. The other disciples hear this and they say it's just idle tales, just just women's talk. It takes them a little while to adopt the story as their own. And so Thomas doubts But he's not alone. He's not alone right then, and he's not alone in history. If we think about all the matriarchs and patriarchs of faith, they they had their times of doubt. When Moses was first called by God, Moses had his doubts. He wondered, God, are you sure you mean me? Isn't there somebody else you should be talking to? Abraham and Sarah pictured in our icon over there in the memorial chapel uh, when they were told late in life that Sarah was going to give birth. She she burst out laughing. (laughs) She doubted completely. She thought it was a joke. Even to the extent that when they have a son, they name Isaac, the name that comes from the word for laughter. (laughs) to remind themselves, perhaps, of that doubt that God showed up in. Jonah doubts. He runs away from God until God runs for him. Jeremiah doubts, wondering if God has forgotten who he is. On and on the stories go. And perhaps most surprising, if we we read our scripture carefully we can see that it even seems as though Jesus sometimes doubts. He doubts his mission. At first he imagines that he's only sent to save faithful Jews. Then it takes the Samaritan woman, the foreigner, the outsider, to widen his perspective and help him understand just how wide his call really is. Jesus doubts his disciples as he predicts appropriately and correctly that Peter will deny him, that Peter will lose heart and the other disciples too. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane that just last week we reflected with Jesus about, Jesus wonders if God is there. And then on the cross, Jesus again wonders, why has God forsaken? Has God forsaken We miss a lot of what of God uh, of what God would have for us to see if we pretend that doubt is unusual, that doubt is abnormal, that that doubt is is not commonplace. And God moves through our doubt. Sometimes we're filled with faith. Often we're filled with doubt. But God is still God, and God is always present. And so, where does that leave us when we doubt? We could ignore doubt. We could um, overcompensate and pretend it's not there. But I don't think that's the place of much faith. When we're in doubt, we can do a number of things. But at least I believe we can do three things. Three things in which God might use to bring us closer to God's self. 
First of all, we can live the question, as Rilke put it. To live the question means to, to, to research, to read, to study, to question, to realize we're not alone. We're not the first person ever to have doubt. A lot of more faithful and smarter people than me have had doubts. And so we can read their words. We can read their prayers. We can see how they navigated the terrain of doubt and wonder. Paul Tillich was uh, one of the greatest 20th century theologians. And he argues that doubt is included in every real act of faith. Tillich writes... In those who rest on their unshakable faith, Pharisaism and fanaticism are the unmistakable symptoms of doubt which has been repressed. (laughs) Doubt is overcome not by repression, but by courage. Courage does not deny that there is doubt, but it takes the doubt into itself as an expression of its own finitude and affirms the content of an ultimate concern. Courage does not need the safety of an unquestionable conviction. Even if the confession that Jesus is the Christ is expressed in a strong and positive way, the fact that it is a confession implies courage and risk. I love that Tillich uses the word courage from the, the French word for the heart, the core. And so to have courage is to allow the heart to lead us wherever God brings our heart to go, through doubt, through faith, through fear, and eventually back into faith again. Rainer Maria Rilke put to the young poet to love the questions themselves. Love the questions and live the questions now. A second part of living the question is to ask for help, to share our doubts with another person. Uh, We'll not only find that we're not as isolated as we first might have thought, but chances are that the person we're talking to also has doubts of their own and can understand and sympathize with, with our own questions. And finally, we can do what the the saints and sinners of every age have done. We can give our doubt over to God. If God created me with my limited mind and heart and body, then then God can deal with the problems. (laughs) When I have doubt, I'll give it back to God. Sort it out, God. You created me. You deal with my doubt. That's what Teresa of Avila did as she famously prayed for some 18 years, feeling as though God really wasn't listening to her. She kept on going, not in a a blind, willful way, but in a very honest way. She persisted and is one of those few saints who who is said to have found union with God in prayer. That union did not come simply or easily. And so when we're doubting, we can learn something new, we can, we can lean on someone else, and we can love God in some new way. We're given doubting Thomas as a brother in doubt and faith, a fellow disciple who paved a rough way for us to deeper faith. 
St. Thomas stands not only as the the father of Indian and Syrian Christianity, but he stands as the patron for all of those whose faith doesn't always come easily, whose faith includes a measure of doubt, a bit of suspicion, maybe even a little cynicism. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to be a little suspicious, especially since suspicion often leads to sainthood. Especially at this time of year, may we be honest with our doubts and honest with our belief, knowing that wherever we may be in that spectrum, God loves us and wants to come to us even more deeply. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.